You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will be inspired to use their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's so great to be back. Joining me in just a moment is going to be Sheba Fiddler. And Sheba is a brand strategist. She is a graphic designer, and she's also um, what she calls an intuitive visual translator, which I can't wait to talk to her about. Um, We're going to be covering a lot of topics this evening, and I'm really looking forward to it. You'll also hear from our watch team bringing you news and inspiration from their various industries, so be sure to stay with us during the breaks. And as always, uh, feel free to visit us at womentowatch.net for all things related to the show. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And be sure to sign up for the podcast and our newsletter so that you never miss a show. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a part of our on-air watch team, feel free to email laura at womentowatch.net. And that's laura, L-A-U-R-A, at womentowatch.net. So now I'm thrilled and honored to welcome to the show Sheba Fiddler. Uh, she's she's the principal at Sheba Concept and Design. Sheba, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. I'm just delighted to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you, and um, I know that you're joining us from Minneapolis. I always like to let our listeners know where where our guests are um, are from because they're from all over the world. 
And I want to start with your um, your beginning, your upbringing, and, and learn a little bit more about the little Sheba, the little girl, and <laughs> what you know, what your dreams and aspirations were. Um, growing up in Iowa, I know that you were the youngest of five. Yes. Um, and that you know, right off the bat, I I wonder if that was a typical. Uh, time for you being the youngest where you were looking up to older siblings and kind of following their lead? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I was born and raised in Spencer, Iowa, just a a lovely little town in the northwest corner of the state. And um, my father was a dentist. He owned his own practice. Um, My dad was a man of routine, of consistency, of you know, he was habitual and consistent, and um, he was just kind of this steady, steady, steady force in our lives. Um, you know, he lived through the Great Depression, so he didn't take anything for granted. He was, he was a person that just lived by the principles of hard work, humility, living humbly. Um, and so he was just this steady force in our lives. My mother um, was the opposite of that. <laughs> she, um, Opposites my, attract, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, in fact, my, my father passed away just over three years ago, and at his funeral, my cousin Sarah said, uh, Ty was the glue and Joan was the glitter. And it just couldn't have been said any more perfectly because my father was that steady force, and my mom was a force all of her own of just passion and drive and experimentation and trying something new and not settling for what people said she should do or what you know any way that she should look anything that she should try she just bucked the system and um that was really powerful for me to watch uh, as a as a young girl she you know as you mentioned i'm the youngest of five so here she had these five little children And women at that time were not working, really, especially in in that in our little part of the world there in Iowa. Um, And she before she started her business was just adamant about getting out and volunteering. She she established the first uh, center for people with disabilities in our hometown. And she founded it and, and started that and was president of that for many years. And then by the time I was in third grade, she said, "Okay, I've got to start my business. And so. She was an incredibly accomplished interior designer and just, um, again, just led the charge in her own way of uh, kind of don't take no for an answer, don't sit on the sidelines and get out and do what you feel like you want and need to do. So I had a really beautiful balance between my parents. And then I was in just the great position of being the youngest of five. And I find that just that shaped me tremendously. I have three brothers and one sister, and they all, you know, have big personalities of their own. So there was a lot going on in my household. And I was a pretty quiet kid because there was so much going on. It really taught me to, it it wasn't out of of, of an inability to speak up. It was that I just admired what was happening around me. I, I so admired my siblings. I so admired my parents that I... I was watching and learning and listening, and it set me up to be a really strong listener. And that's ultimately what has completely shaped my career is listening to people, understanding what they need, understanding their brand when they don't even know it, but it's it's coming out from them when, when they're not sure the words to say. So um, it was a really, really lovely and valuable place to be, that, that fifth in this 
family of five children and two delightful parents. So it was, it was a great upbringing. Tell me how, how much of your mom do you have in you and how much of your dad do you have in you? I know that, you know, obviously the, the creative side is from mom, um, but I'm curious about your dad as well. Someone, you know, my husband is a dentist. And as you were describing your dad, I'm, I was thinking about him and, and he's very methodical, mm-hmm. um, which can be the opposite of a creative mind. Yes. So, yeah. What parts of him do you have? You know, I, I truly think I am equally split. I have, I have really great attributes from both of my parents. Certainly my mom with her creativity and just think outside the box. And, you know, that has helped drive my ability to be a creative and to design things that I wasn't thinking about and would never have popped into my head. However, my dad and his, his steadfastness, that is what has driven me from a business standpoint, mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm very driven, you know, I'm, I'm in business, the reason I'm, you know, people don't hire me to, to design things for them just to make something pretty. They hire me so they can make more money, so their, their business can thrive and survive. And so I come at it from a business standpoint first, and, you know, as we'll get to, I'm, you know, I'm actually, my design business is one of four businesses that I that I own. So um, that business mind and the the kind of the you put one foot in front of the other. You look at the big picture, but you take wise steps along the way. That was certainly for my father. Yeah. So you actually went off to college and um, received a bachelor of science in 1991. Um, and I think it's pretty remarkable that only two years later, you started your first company. So you must have been very young. I was. And, you know, it happened. Um, I, it just <laughs> I, I got out of school and I was working at a small agency and I was just I was not really fulfilled there. And I was interviewing, I was getting job offers, but I was not really excited about the job offers. So I just thought I'm not going to leave one job that I'm not loving to go to another job that I'm not loving. And then I was driving to work one day and I was crying because I was so unhappy. And I thought, well, this is ridiculous. Um, This is no way to live life. So I walked in and I shared that with my boss and she was delightful. And she said, I can see you're not happy. I said, I'll stay for two weeks or four weeks or however long. And she said, if you're not happy, you know, no. So we, you know, just, it was a a very happy mutual transition. And that day I drove home and as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, what did I do? I have student loans. I'm in debt. What am am I thinking? I don't even know what I'm going to do now. So um, I came home, and this is pre-cell phones. My phone rang. It was um, a dear friend. She's still one of my, my dearest friends, and she's my first client and still a client. Uh, Cookie Coleman called me and said, uh, Sheba, I need a brochure done for the Rupert, Rupert's Traveling Orchestra. And I said, well, that's fantastic, but you should call the office because I quit. <laughs> and she, she said, well, no, the reason I called you at home is because I wanted you to do it. I, wow. I just, I wanted your design aesthetic. And so it, it was just, it was meant to be because it literally was the day that I quit my job and that fell in my lap. And right. that was, you know, gosh, almost 30 years ago. So, wow. yeah. Do you think that moment, that very moment, that phone call and her asking you for that project 
was the light bulb where you said, gosh, I, I can do this myself. I, you know, it was. And I feel like these things just, you know, I things fall into place. Like if you, you just can't give up on what's, what's real for you. You know, there, there, it was very possible that I would have gone to work that day and not quit and just, you know, wiped those tears away and said, you need to do it. You need to just make the money. And it just, in my gut, I knew, I knew that that was not the right choice. And so the fact that Cookie called me, you know, hours later is just, it, I, I was like, yeah, here we go. This wow. I can do. This yeah. I can do. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, you know, a lot of men and women are continually every day going to jobs that are not fulfilling and they, right. right. So it, what do you think it was about you? Where did that courage come from? It takes a lot of courage. That's a big risk. Were you living by yourself or on your own? Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, Were you know, surprised at your decision or, or, you know, did you always have that kind of, um, courage? You know, I think I had, but I was, that was that was instilled in me um, when I was in college. I took a I took a semester off and um, I went to Colorado. It started with I went for Christmas break and was working on the mountain. Um, we had a month off between semesters, so I you know I worked all through college. And my brother, one of my brothers, was living in Colorado and said, "Hey, we could use some extra help on the mountain." So I was working as a photographer on the mountain during the day, and I was uh, waitressing at night and making money and skiing every day and having a fantastic time. And um, at the end of the break, I was, you know, back at the airport in Denver, ready to fly back to school. And I was on the phone with my mom and she said, how was it? And, you know, just, you know, now as you're reflecting, I said, well, it was so fantastic. And I'm kind of wondering why I'm leaving because I'm still not sure what I want to do. So, you know, I was like, why am I going back to school these student loans when I don't know what I want to do yet. Mm. And she said, well, then, honey, don't go. And, you know, here I'm coming from, I have siblings with law degrees and very accomplished and, you know, just they had all gone to school and then gone to more school and, you know, just were living these very accomplished lives. And I thought, well, I'm quitting school to keep skiing and taking pictures. <laughs> and, but, you know, she just, she that moment really stuck with me. Like, don't, don't do it if you're not ready to do it. And, right. you know, so, so, um, other than the fact of like, yeah, it was scary. I no, I never second guessed it. Well, you know, it's, I think your mom, um, she understood what, where your mindset was. And I think there's definitely a difference between creative souls, uh, right. That are just always exploring and wondering and, um, I think you're a great example of going against the grain, what is expected, typical, you know, graduate high school, go to college, get a job and work. And, you know, that's not necessarily the right path for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you shared with me, you know, I, I always want to know my guests' personal challenges, things that really have been hard for them and how they've overcome them. And, you know, you shared with me openly that your parents aging and, and their illnesses have been very, very difficult. Can you share with our listeners what, what happened? Well, yeah, um, gosh, you know, that that if if you're in the enviable position of having parents live till you are an adult, um, then, you know, you, you witness them as they start to age and their health starts to falter. And it was, 
just, it was really challenging because there was also a lot of other things happening in my world, other people suffering, some other, just a lot mine was piling on at the same time. And I think that that does happen to a lot of women of our generation when they're caretaking for parents and others that all of a sudden it's a lot. Right. Um, and, but to watch my parents, you know, their, their health start to fail and to watch them be in pain and to watch, you know, them suffering is certainly been a challenge. And as I mentioned, my father did pass three years ago. My mom is now in a nursing home um, and she has dementia. And so, you know, living through COVID and her being isolated, that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's what it makes you grateful that I can stand outside her window and wave to her and hold my hand up to her. And, um, the fact that she is in a place that she receives just tremendous care and love from her, from the staff there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you just, there are these things and these life is going to happen and yet you have to find the beauty and the, the what you can be grateful for in each step of it. Yeah, <clears throat> it really is such a difficult time. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing it with all of my friends and, and family and colleagues. And um, I'm not sure what the secret is to to being able to kind of roll with that phase of your life where it's a very strange, unsettling feeling that the people that cared for you your whole life now need your care. We could do a whole show on that probably. Um, listen, we're going to go into our first break. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about, you know, your first business and company and, and how you made that happen. Stay with us as we go into our break for our watch team. And we'll be back with Shiva Fiddler. Now the women to watch health watch for health watch. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie, the pandemic. What have we learned about COVID and vaccines this morning on your radio doctor? I spoke to two professors. Dr. James Baker from University of Michigan and Dr. John Zerlo from Thomas Jefferson University. The two frontrunner vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna are both about 95% effective in protecting you from death or serious complications. Of the people in the original studies, they're almost six months past their two doses. By following them routinely with blood tests, we'll learn how long immunity lasts and we'll see if they resist COVID variants from the UK, Brazil, and South Africa. And if we need boosters, good news. Dr. Baker reports that these vaccines are easy to modify and create boosters in as short as four weeks. Regarding safety, there have been no deaths or serious side effects. He reports the likelihood of a serious allergic reaction is about 100 times less common than an allergic reaction to penicillin. And if you do have an allergic reaction, you must see an allergy specialist before the second shot. After the injection, you stay at the site for 15 minutes to be sure you don't have hives or wheezing, signs of allergy, which have been very rare. And if you do have a history of allergic reactions, bring your EpiPen and we'll keep you under watch for 30 minutes. Side effects can happen with the first injection, more likely with the second, fatigue, muscle aches, sore arm, fever. It doesn't seem that ibuprofen will decrease your immune response, but Dr. Zolo suggested sticking to Tylenol for any of these symptoms. And if you don't have side effects, it doesn't mean you haven't responded. You're just lucky. If you've had COVID, you still should get the vaccine. Once you've had the vaccine, you're less likely to get COVID, but you can still spread it. So consider other people and continue to wear a mask. Antibody infusions are given with early symptoms to people over age 65 or younger people with certain risk factors. Listen to the entire show on yourradiodoctor.net. Be a mask crusader, divas. 
Now the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard Spar for your Legal Watch. We knew it was coming, and just this Tuesday, New York Attorney General Letitia James sued Amazon, claiming flagrant disregard for health and safety requirements during the coronavirus pandemic. On behalf of the state of New York, she accused Amazon of lax contact tracing and cleaning at both the Staten Island Fulfillment Center and the Queens Distribution Center. New York's lawsuit comes on the heels of one filed by Amazon in Brooklyn Federal Court, which was an attempt to preempt Ms. James from filing this suit against Amazon. Amazon argued that federal labor and safety laws take precedence over New York laws, and therefore Ms. James had no authority to sue Amazon for workplace safety violations. The attorney general claims in her court filing that Amazon cut corners in complying with particular requirements, thereby ensuring outsized profits at an unprecedented rate of growth for the company and shareholders. It goes on to cite Amazon's financial success during the pandemic with profits of $130 billion. This lawsuit, along with every other one that will certainly follow, will hinge greatly on the actual facts and circumstances surrounding the claims. Certainly, some people will see this as an attack on companies that successfully made it through the pandemic and even profited from the switch to consumers' buying habits while other people will see these lawsuits as a way to hold companies accountable for the safety of their workers. The rules have changed and are continuing to change with regard to workplace safety. It's no longer enough to have people wear safety goggles while operating machinery. Now employers have to account for masks, spatial distance, sanitizing, contact tracing, and vaccines. It's a lot to keep track of, so make sure you're on top of it and tune in to Women to Watch for your Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hittner bringing you Legal Watch each week. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back. I'm talking to Sheba Fiddler this evening, principal at Sheba Concept and Design. Um, and in the first segment, Sheba, you mentioned that, you know, you really own four companies right now. You have a lot going on. Um, it's amazing to me. Um, I, I said that you started your own business right out of two years out of college. Um, talk about that first business and what you decided to focus on because, you know, you are a brand strategist, you're a graphic designer, you're, um, I want to talk about intuitive visual translator, what those gifts are. Um, and, and you and your husband own a restaurant. So, yeah, I thought we'd start with the first business. How, how did you really make that successful from that one phone call with a friend uh, to getting more clients? Yeah, um, so I, I started out, and again, I just started with literally, um, d uh, quote unquote, pounding the pavement. I picked up the phone every day and called people that I knew and called people that I didn't know and asked what their struggles were with business and how could I help. And that's how I, that's how I got my first clients. And then from there, I was fortunate enough to just have repeat clients and word of mouth um, and that's truly how I built my business. But I will also say that, um, you know, when I talk about being a, a visual translator, um, what I, at the time I was seeing a lot of really successful design firms that had a look. Like you would see something and you'd say, oh, that's boom. You knew, you knew the designer that was behind it. And you'll never be able to say that with my work because to me I was like, I, I didn't, I appreciated that from a creativity and an artistic standpoint, but I didn't really understand it from a business standpoint because I thought, this is not about them, this is about the client. Mm -hmm. And so it's 
it's kind of that was my thing of who is the client what is their need and how can I help them solve this they will always know their industry far more than I do um, and so I glean from them what I can what I need to know about their industry and then I figure out how to visually translate what is their nugget what is their key message and turn that into a logo turn that into an ad turn that into a, a way to visually share their message with people so um, you know, I, I can give you a, a quick story. So I, in one of my first years in business, I, uh, I was hired by the Minnesota Children's Museum to be their, just kind of their, I was their on-site person to do all of their uh, marketing. Um, but they had gone through a major branding process with a big agency out of New York. So I was given all of the tools and I just implemented. So fast forward 20 years, um, the Minnesota Children's Museum um, in, I think it was 2014-ish, uh, was, was doing a major rebrand. They were adding a whole edition, and they called me again. Now this time was for the branding component, because that has since become really my specialty, is brand identity. And um, so I was thrilled when I got the call, and I thought, you know what, this is right for me. But then they decided to go with this very big agency again, and I said, I get it, I get it, that is not who I am. Um, but I was, it was one of those things that in my gut, I'm like, darn it, I, I, feel like that, I feel like that was for me, and I feel like I could have done such a good job. And I usually don't even think twice if something doesn't go my way, but I really did. So anyway, Six or nine months later, the phone rang again, and um, it was the, my contact from the museum, and he said, you know, we have gone round after round after round with this agency, and we're not happy, and can you help us? You know, will you, now will you come on board? And I said, well, let's meet, because frankly, they are a very well-accomplished agency. They do incredible work, and frankly, you might be the problem. <laughs> Oh. And so yeah. we sat down and I took a look at beautiful logo after beautiful logo after beautiful logo that they had presented to them. And as he's speaking, uh, just the light bulb went off for me that these were these beautiful, perfect, incredibly gorgeous logos, works of art. But this was the Children's Museum, which is all about play. It's not about perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's about freedom. It's about just letting kids come and be themselves and explore. And as soon as he was talking and I saw these beautiful logos, I was like, uh-huh, I get it, I get it. So that's really been my strength in the business is to hear people and hear what's unique about them and find something that can then visually translate that. Wow. So my, I would love to know what kinds of questions do you ask of your potential clients? Because my guess is, you know, that's a big part of getting to the very heart of what they're looking for is asking them the right questions. Yeah, that's it. It is. And I would say the questions are many. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's it's everything from the very tangibles about what they're doing to how they approach um, how they approach their clients. I I like to get feedback from actual customers when possible, because how they interpret the company and what they're seeing as as benefits and not benefits. Um, so it's really tying all of that together from where the company wants to be, where they're actually you know how are they actually showing up right then, 
and what's missing between where they ultimately want to go and how they're currently being perceived. And how do we try to you know, help them? You know, I'm not going to change who a, who a company is. They have to do the hard work and day in, day out, they're the ones who are, you know, they're running their company. But how do I find what's really unique about them? Because there is something unique about every company. And lots of times they just don't know what it is. You know, mm-hmm. they, yes. they're like, well, you know, we're really, really no different than the guy down the street. I'm like, well, you are. It's just a matter of figuring out what that is and then really sharing that point of difference. Have you ever had to walk away from a client because you just couldn't get on the same page? I honestly have to pause and think about that. Um, Probably not too often if you, right? If it, Yeah, I, I really... <laughs> maybe never. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, wow. You know, I think because I spend a lot of time up front in discussion um, and knowing that I can't do my job if they're not completely honest with me. Um, and I have really thick skin. I, I'm just, I, I want people to be honest. Design is, there's not just a slam dunk answer, right? So if I create something that maybe isn't the right fit the first time, then there's a deep dive into, okay, how are we missing? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to evolve and shift. And, and so as long as the client and I have a, a good understanding up front, that their job is to be honest and they have to be straightforward with me. And my job is to be honest with them as well and tell them where I think they might need to make some, some changes. Then it, the agreement up front really kind of puts everything else aside. Yeah. You know, you, you shared with me, you and I spoke a couple of months ago, and, and you shared with me that you're, you're truly an empath. Um, and, and that is someone who, you know, literally takes on the emotional and mental um, state and aura, I'll say, of others. So people that, you know, you're in front of. I would love to know how that has both helped in your life and work and how it perhaps sometimes impedes in your life and work. Yeah, well, it certainly does both, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say mostly it's helped because I think, you know, first and foremost, we're all human. We're all here. Um, everybody's, you know, people are doing their best. People are, are striving to to either be in a business or be in a relationship or be a parent or, or put food on the table, whatever it is. Like, I, I think that I see people um, at their very, their very core, and you know, I, I'm whether I'm in the grocery store or whether I'm walking around the lake. Like I, I just I, I like to observe people, and I recognize that people are, they're all unique, and they're all you know we're all kind of all in this together, right? So, I would say it's mostly served me well because I just really have respect and. And um, even if I don't understand, I just, I, I respect people. And I, I'm like there to let people be who they are. Um, you know, that does, that causes some pain. It causes, um, it, it certainly can make things a bit more of a challenge when you feel what other people feel. Um, you've, you know, I just, it, it does cause the need for a little bit of, self-care, which is probably why I walk around the lake every day. (laughs) That's so Um, nice that you have that right there. 
It's it's right here. I mean, that's you know the beauty of living in Minneapolis, which is such a lovely place. And I do. I walk out my door. I walk around that lake, and all is right with the world. And so, it's kind of it's very centering. And um, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, <clears throat> I would. Th- I would say it's probably a distraction sometimes, right? Because you're you're going out into the world, and perhaps you wake up one morning and just feeling your very, very best. And then you come across someone that's in a different place. And how do you keep yourself on track when, when you're feeling that? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we will get to that when we get to uh, business number four, but, um, yeah, recognizing that people are in pain, recognizing that people are hurting has certainly, that's actually what, what drove the, the need for that business. And so, um, you know, it, it can be exhausting, it can be painful, and yet uh, it's also really a motivator as well. Yes. Um, so let's let's talk about, first of all, I want the listeners to know that the, the way you and I connected was your husband reached out and he sent a beautiful note. And I just love that. I often receive emails from men, whether they're partners or not, whether they're colleagues, friends, and they have a woman in their life that they just know for certain that you know there's someone to watch a woman to watch and he wrote me a beautiful note about you and he happens to be your partner and um in 1996 you decided to launch an event production company um tell me about that company and you know how you decided to make that leap from from doing the creative work that you do to now putting on these these big productions which is a lot of labor a lot of work (laughs) indeed they are well that really so the production side is is my husband that's um darren is um an incredible event producer he has he grew up in the hospitality business and so he has an innate understanding of people and kind of what the what the guest experience can and should be and how to solve problems so that you know he kind of has plans a b c d and e going into an event so you know he's so frustrated if we go somewhere and the lighting is off or you have to wait in line for something <laughs> or whatever because he's yeah. like and you know they they there's always a reason for it right like the whether you're at a restaurant or you're at an event they they well this happened because x you know mm. and he says well no, they should have thought of that, <laughs> you know, like, um, and it's little things sometimes, right? The very the smallest things. things yeah, yeah. That make a big and, difference. And sometimes people just, you know, they, they put that aside and they're like, Oh, whatever. You know, we had to wait for our car for 15 minutes. He's like, well, no, you shouldn't have had to wait for your car for 15 minutes. So yeah, he, the event production was, is really his, his baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to partner in it in that, you know, I would certainly help from, uh, creating invitations for events and creating signage and creating the marketing and and so staying in my wheelhouse in that area of design marketing um, and building it from that way. But he is the the event empresario for sure, and um, so that's that's how that company came into being. And and I'm assuming you know the big question obviously with what has happened this past year um, has thrown a big wrench into that part of the work that you do and. How you know has it cut the events in half? I, everything's been virtual, or what's been happening? Yeah, it really it it really has cut them. <laughs> it, it just put everything to a grinding halt. You know, mm-hmm. it it wasn't like the recession that we saw, you know, however many years ago when it's like okay, 
things slowed down. And no, this was this was a stop, a, a hard stop. Um, but you know, within that, um, because he is really well collect, connected, he in fact got to do some some really fun things for Dan Dan Butner, who um, you know wrote the Blue Zones and is an accomplished writer. Um, he lives right down the street from us, actually, and is a friend. And it was his 60th birthday, so in the midst of COVID. Uh, instead of doing a big 60th blowout, uh, Darren put together six nights of 10 people each and put a big tent out in his uh, dance front yard, which overlooks beautiful Lake of the Isles, and had you know people socially distanced for these beautiful catered evenings of food and drink, but they, it was safe, it was outdoors, and it was a creative way to say, we can still celebrate. Um, it's not gonna be the big party, but it's gonna be something that actually ended up being way more unique um, with quality time with 60 people who Dan loved and adored and loved him right back. And, you know, so it was thinking out of the box of how do we do mm. this differently? Yeah. And sometimes that's fun, isn't it? I think that people are being surprised by the, um, the enjoyment they're getting from having to be innovative now and doing things differently than they typically have. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, we're going to go into our, our next break. Stay with us as I talk to Sheba Fiddler, the principal at Sheba Concept and Design. Stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, Military Watch. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. In honor of Washington's birthday on February 22nd, I want to touch on General George Washington, not the man but the art that depicts a well-known event in our history. The event is that fateful evening of December 25th, 1776, when the great general, with a winter storm lashing the Delaware Valley with sleet and snow, crossed the Delaware River to surprise the enemy on the Jersey Shore. I want you to think of that famous painting by the German-American immigrant Emanuel Lutze, where Washington stands tall in a small flat boat despite jagged ice floats and rough current and brutal winds. I want to share some excerpts of a 2004 New York Times article that urged us to take a closer look. Washington's small boat is crowded with 13 soldiers. Their dress tells us that they are soldiers from many parts of America, and each of them has a story revealed by the artist's brush. One man wears the short jacket of a New England seaman. We look again and see that he is African descent. Another figure is a Scottish immigrant, still wearing his Balmoral bonnet. At the bow and stern of the boat are hard-faced western riflemen in hunting shirts and deerskin leggings. Huddled between are farmers from Pennsylvania and New Jersey in blanket coats and broad-brimmed hats. But the dominant figures are the two gentlemen of Virginia who stood tall above the rest, two future presidents in the same boat. One of them is Lieutenant James Monroe holding a big American flag upright against the storm. The other, of course, is Washington in his continental uniform of buff and blue. He holds a brass telescope and wears a heavy saber, symbolic of a statesman's vision and a soldier's strength. Could it be that the 13 soldiers represent the 13 colonies working together for shared victory? The artist invites us to see each of these soldiers as an individual, but he also reminds us that they are all in the same boat, working desperately together against the wind and current he has given them a common sense of mission. Numerous historians point out the many historical flaws in this painting. First, the flag is wrong. The first stars and stripes were not adopted until 1777. 
One great absurdity pointed out by historians is that George Washington is not only standing in the boat, but he is standing on one leg. Naysayers say there is no way Washington could have stood up for that journey without losing his footing and being tossed into the freezing water. But what isn't questioned is that the artist clearly captured the struggle and the importance of that event. The painting depicts Washington's thoughts of leadership. We see the men in the boat in their diversity and their stubborn autonomy. They lived the rights they were defending. To study them with their general is to understand what George Washington meant when he wrote, A people unused to restraint must be led. They will not be drove. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Now, the Women to Watch, PR Watch. Hey, everybody. Mindy Barnett, motivational and keynote speaker coming at you. I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about the importance of reading between the lines. Hearing loss to me was by far one of the worst ailments I've been dealt to date. I first noticed issues with my hearing when I was struggling to hear TV at night. It bothered me, but my business and hectic lifestyle always were taking over. So when I eventually was having issues with everyday conversations, it was obvious I had to go to some sort of doctor to deal with a real problem. So I was then sent to an ENT, and there I took a hearing test, which I thought I ate. But when the doctor came in to meet me, he was carrying a box of tissues. The good information he shared was that I did not have an ear infection. However, he did have some bad news, and that was that I had severe hearing loss, and he was recommending that I needed hearing aids to speak clearly. I needed to hear. I needed to hear for life. I needed to hear for work. I needed to work not only because my work gives me purpose, but I needed to provide for my family and sustain our livelihood. So back then, the diagnosis left me feeling vulnerable because no one, no known cause, which it came out to be, there was no real way to prevent future hearing loss. You know, we all live in a mysterious world. No one knows the future in our relationships, if they're going to last, if our money's going to run out, how long we live. We're all seeing that right now unfold in the COVID climate we're in. Getting up every day, putting your best foot forward and showing up, never really knowing how long you'll really have to reap the rewards takes lots of courage, lots of courage. And it's a certain amount of strength to check on, never knowing what will actually be. You have it. You're here listening to me speak right now. You're learning, living, and looking upward. For more information on this message and lots of more, check me out at mindybarnett.com or Instagram at mindy.barnett. See you next time. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill 
every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Welcome in, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch. If you were with us in the first hour, you know that I'm speaking to Sheba Fiddler this evening, the principal at Sheba Concept and Design. And uh, Sheba has, she's done an incredible amount of work in the creative field, um, but also is quite the entrepreneur. And um, one of the other projects that you and your husband are both involved in is the restaurant that you opened in 2000. Two called the Sample Room, um, which is a local from scratch small plate dining uh, restaurant, which really was ahead of its time. I think there's a lot of that type of uh, restaurants that have been popping up. And I wanted to know what prompted that, number one. And then I'd love for you to talk for a few minutes about um, your relationship with Anthony Bourdain, who most people know was quite uh, a pioneer in the food business and sadly passed away last year. Yeah, so um, as, as I mentioned previously, my, my husband grew up in the hospitality business. His father owned and operated restaurants and um, uh, when, when Darren was a little boy, he would literally sleep on the linen bags in the kitchens of restaurants. So it was, it's in his DNA. And um, he just has an innate understanding of, of that industry and hospitality. Um, so he had run many places, um, but you know, then as mentioned, the event production business was, was full steam. And we'd always talked about doing a restaurant, but it was like, well, only, only if it's really, really right, because we know what a grind they can be and how, what a challenging industry that is. Mm. Um, so we received a phone call from our, our partners who actually lived in Northeast Minneapolis and Northeast Minneapolis in 1999, when we got the phone call, was very different than it is today. Um, you know, it was a pretty quiet um, neighborhood. The, the only restaurants and bars were really hole in the wall bars. Um, and they lived next door to uh, a bar called the Polish Palace. And the, it was, you know, drop ceilings, very dark, very smoky. You know, you could get, you could play Ms. Pac-Man and, you know, drink a Grain Belt <laughs> beer. And that was, that was the extent of it. And, but it was fantastic in that way, right? Yeah. Um, um, so our, our partners who live next door, the, the owner of the Polish Palace was ready to get out of the business. And they, they uh, Jim and Christine were interested in buying the property. But they knew they didn't know anything about restaurants. So uh, a mutual friend put the four of us together. Um, David Wishmeyer connected the four of us. And um, they, you know, they were interested in the property and, and building something that they wanted in the neighborhood. And they knew that we could do the restaurant, establish the concept, and build it, and um, you know, figure out what the concept should be. How, what does that look like? What's the staff? What's the, you know, what is, how does that all come together? So. That was in 1999, and it took us until 2002 to do a reconstruct and you know deconstruct and reconstruct of again the you know discovered an original tin ceiling, 
um, discovered a lot of artifacts in the walls, like that kind of thing. Oh, and, that must um, have been so fun. That, yeah, that yeah, renovation. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it really it truly was. And um, when the building was built in the 1800s, it was called the Tees Hotel and Sample Room. Matt and Rose Tees owned the property and they they would roll the kegs over from Glick Brewery, which was next door and sample them there. And then they had a boarding house on the second floor. And so as we were exploring different concepts and different different menu options and um, consulting with a dear friend, um, Toby Nidets, who really was helping us pull this together. Um, one of the options was these small plates. And frankly, that's how Darren and I always have liked to eat. Like we just would rather eat small, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, that, and try some wine and try some bourbon. And and so when Toby came back with this concept and we looked at it and reflected on the original name of the be building being the sample room, it was a natural that that was the way to go. Now we made it a lot harder on ourselves because the kitchen is kind of the size of a postage stamp and, oh. um, you know, to do everything from scratch and to, you know, have like farm to table and do small plates, which then meant there's so many more items on the menu. Um, it was really, uh, the, you know, the first few chefs said it couldn't be done. And Toby fortunately was the one who had the knowledge to say it can be done in this kitchen. It's just going to be a lot harder. Um, but you know, because that wasn't being done at the time, uh, in 2002, people weren't eating that way, certainly not in the Midwest. And so when we opened, we, um, the, the Wall Street Journal came and did a feature on us, and that got picked up by um, Anthony Bourdain's team. And so he came to Minneapolis and um, kind of did a little stint on the Mall of America and, you know, kind of like, well, there's a lot of bad food here. <laughs> but, then he, <laughs> right. yeah, but then he highlighted some some independence and he the last place he came to that day was was the sample room. Wow. And, you know, he walked in and I won't swear on your program, but he walked in, he said, you make your own ketchup. What are you bleeping crazy? Um, <laughs> And so he did a, this just a, a fantastic segment. And then at the end of the of the taping, he had about four or five hours before he needed to go to the airport. So um, uh, Anthony, Darren, my dear friend Corey and I sat in a booth and talked all afternoon and drank beer. And he was just as you think he would be. He was just um, down to earth, real. Uh, just wanted to know about people, wanted to know your story. I, it was, it was, it was like sitting down with your best friend. And um, he and Darren, especially because they both had that that restaurant background, they just were kind of like, you know, to, to say soul brothers is probably a, a stretch, but they were just they had the same lingo, they had the same vibe, they had, had the same kind of finish each other's sentence kind of a thing. So it was. To say it was a delightful afternoon is just an understatement. And yeah, the loss of him is, it's painful. It's painful for so many and for good reason, because he was a bright light. Yeah, I think it, you know, I, I did not know him. And for some reason, I felt so incredibly sad when I read that headline. And I think it was because he seemed to me to be someone living life exactly how everyone says you should right? Doing what you love, being passionate, exploring. And so it left a big question mark. Right. Did you feel that that's the same way having spent, you know, that whole afternoon with him? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess I, um, uh, I, I know so many people who have struggled with mental health issues. And so that is, that is something that is really, um, 
again, that is part of part and parcel of, of Big Lovey. Um, I, 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 I guess I, I don't, <laughs> to say I understand it is, that's a misnomer. No one understands, right? But I know so many people who have been in pain. I know so many people who struggle silently, people who are raging against it. You know, they, they, whether they're drinking or it's something else that just like because they're in so much pain, um, I've witnessed it with a lot of people in my life. And so I guess I'm not surprised when it happens to anyone because right. you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people are struggling, like I said, either silently or outwardly. And um, I, th I think it's it's something that needs to be addressed on a really big scale level because it's just it's tragic to me. It is the number of people who are in pain. Yes, absolutely. And. You know what? Let, it's a perfect transition to go into Big Lovey. Um, in 2019, you partnered with a friend of yours, Rosie D. Simone, to launch Big Lovey and um, tell our listeners all about this um, beautiful product and the concept behind this this blanket that you decided to create. Yeah. So, um, you know, as as mentioned, so um, well, Rosie called me in. Uh, April of 2018, and Rosie's husband is a, a dear, li uh, lifelong friend of my husband's. So that's how I, Rosie and I knew each other. And I had done some branding work for for Todd, um, Rosie's husband. So she was calling me just really for help with her logo, her identity. Um, and she called and said, Sheba, I have this idea for a company, and I can't not do it, and I can't not do it now. So I said, well, let's talk about it. So the idea was um, when her kids were little, they would, um, they'd have their little loveys, but they'd grow out of them. And so she's like, I would see my kids grab my big throws from the couch, but it wasn't the same. Like they, it kept them warm, but they didn't have this heartfelt connection to them. And she was like, okay, kids need to grow up with a lovey, but more importantly, the whole world needs a big lovey. And um, she said, you know, the world is hurting and I feel like I need to do something about it. And so it was just from the get-go, I was 110% in because I was, let me also back up, Susan, and say I had had several multi-year-long stints with big, big companies, international companies um, that were supposedly, you know, they the goal was to create um, something that was, that would help the world, that was life-changing, that, you know, help better health, better wellness. And we would spend these couple of years on a project that had all the right intentions and a lot of smart people around the table and a lot of funding. And in the 11th hour, um, they would get scared because it was just not fiscally, they, they deemed it not fiscally reliable enough, too much of a risk. Um, so I'd had two periods of that. And so when Rosie said this and I thought, there's not a big corporate monster to get in our way. She's passionate about this. I'm passionate about this and we can do something. Um, so that was, that was how it started. And instead of just doing the identity, um, I'm all in and she and I are creating these, these blankets that are based on love and compassion. They're not just blankets They're Every blanket has a positive message. And with every blanket we sell, we donate one to a child in need. So, um, really the, the, the blankets, you know, when you, when you buy one, you know, that you're delivering this message of positivity, like, 
again, because we all have these messages of love and, and hope and, and possibilities um, embroidered on, not embroidered on them, but emblazoned somehow, whether it's a, an ultra suede tag or whether it's uh, in the feather threads. Um, there's a message of positivity in that you're cared for, you're loved. Um, so that's, you know, a, a quick <laughs> synopsis of how that came into be. Yeah. And you know what? We, we do have to go into our last break. I want to continue talking about it when we come back, because I I, I believe that you're expanding into other um, items or other products as well under the brand. Yep. And it lo- and listen, it looks so incredibly beautiful. And what a wonderful gift to give someone. Um, I think it's funny when you're talking about children having the lovey. Why should we have to give that up when we grow up? Right. <laughs> right? right. We need it. We need it more than ever as adults. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Stay with us for our watch team. And I'll be back with Sheba Fiddler. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. I'm so thrilled to announce that Pathways was named the number two best small business firm to work for by Consulting Magazine. The award is validation to our employees that they work in a nurturing environment where their efforts really do matter. For our clients, it's confirmation that our team is top-notch. To be able to achieve recognition of this kind demonstrates our team's care and they like what they do, which is to provide exemplary service. We have two core values, be collaborative and be exceptional. This means we expect our team to work together and that every single team member helps drive our success, regardless of their job title or seniority. Throughout this year, our culture has continued to get stronger, even when everyone had to work from home. We're fortunate that our team has banded together to achieve our goals of not only growing pathways, but keeping it an energetic, fun place to work. People from every one of our teams has stepped up numerous times to tackle this year's challenges, and as a result, we were able to complete some long-standing goals. We've also hit some major milestones this year, and I can't wait to see what 2021 brings for us as an organization. As a technology service provider for the cloud platform called ServiceNow, our clients are evolving and adopting change at light speed. So it's critical to maintain a high level of positivity, quality, and care. Even during critical projects and last-minute deliverables, our team maintains outstanding chemistry and composure. Pathways is a true testament that great culture produces positive results. Thanks to the Pathways team, for being the embodiment of our culture, and thanks to Consulting Magazine for the recognition and this award. If you have a story to share about your company culture, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. I'm Lynn Falconio, Chief Marketing Officer of Publicis Health for Women to Watch Marketing Watch. Throughout the past few weeks, we've analyzed what it means to navigate life under the curve and discussed how the pandemic and sheltering in place has accelerated different industries, consumer behaviors, and trends. 
Even before the pandemic, we consumed information and entertainment from our devices, whether it's our smartphones, tablets, or even our watches. Now, as we're surrounded by our devices at home and the constant notifications of the outside world continue to interrupt our daily routines, it's almost impossible to take a break. Since much of the world has gone into lockdown, our screen time is higher than ever before. Social media users have grown by more than 10%, taking the global total to 3.96 billion users in July 2020. This means that for the first time ever, more than half of the world's population now uses social media. Popular video apps like TikTok are emerging quickly, especially for younger generations like Millennials and Gen Z, with 41% of TikTok users between the ages of 16 and 24. But TikTok isn't just a forum to share viral dance routines and comedy skits. Experts across different industries are now using the platform to create short-form video content as a way of sharing info and reaching new audiences. For example, Dr. Rosemary Leslie, known as Dr. Leslie on TikTok, is a family medicine resident physician at the University of Minnesota Medical School. Leslie's videos range from debunking misinformation around COVID-19, sharing the effects of vaping-associated lung disease, daily health and wellness tips, and more. In a world where we must now be socially distanced from one another, rising media trends and emerging platforms like TikTok have given people a sense of community in dark times and allowed marketers to reach audiences at scale in unique ways. I'm Lynn Falconio for Women to Watch Marketing Watch, and I'll see you next time. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Sheba Fiddler this evening, and Sheba is from Minneapolis. Um, she's the principal at Sheba Concept and Design and really just incredibly busy woman doing all kinds of great things um, for clients and most recently launching this wonderful company called Big Lovey, which is a beautiful warm, soft uh, blanket for grownups, I'll say. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more the, about the other products you're going to be um, launching and, and, re, and also the donations behind it. Tell us a little bit more about that, where they go. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so, so blankets are, uh, they're, they're the cornerstone of the business um, because blankets just inherently make you feel good. Um, when you wrap up in a blanket, you are just literally wrapped up in warmth and love. And so um, we have expanded our blanket line to include, you know, we, when we launched in May of 2019, we had um, the Angel Plush and the um, Infinite Chunky Knit were our two blankets. We then added the Dream Collection uh, later on uh, in 2019. And um, then in 2020, we actually, uh, when COVID hit, we've been able to use that dream collection line. Um, we, again, like COVID hit and like, what can we do? We've got to be able to, to do more. And so we custom designed a dream collection blanket and raised funds for frontline workers um, in May of 2020. So we really, you know, 
really what we're driven by is letting people know that they're cared for, they're loved. And so we have a lot of different give back models. With, with every blanket purchased, we donate one to a child in need. And we have, we have three charitable partners currently. Um, one is My Stuff Bags, which you know, pulls bags together with all sorts of essentials for children who are you know, perhaps in a hurricane or you know, countless situations where children are left without anything. Um, Miracle Babies is uh, an organization that helps uh, children in the, in the um, preemie unit. And then um, YouthLink is a Minneapolis-based organization, and they help uh, young youth who are between the ages of 16 and 24. Um, a, lot of their, a lot of their youth lands on their doorstep on their 18th birthday when they've been in and out of the foster system, and they literally don't own anything, and they've not they've not had proper schooling they don't own clothes they they're they're homeless kids um and so um to be able to give blankets to them um has been an incredible honor uh we i would say uh, one of the biggest proudest moments uh for me so far has been um we had a big donation to them last june and you know george floyd happened just a few miles from from my house and so our our city was shaken to its core for sure. And so homelessness was certainly a, a bigger problem because of COVID and because of the riots and all that was going on. And so to be able to to deliver all of these blankets to these kids in need was just, um, I, I can't tell you. Um, a wonderful feeling. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I think, I, I don't know if I've answered your question. I kind of got yeah, track no, a little abs- bit, I think. No, 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 not at all. Um, you know, it, it, so in thinking about the really the message behind this brand, um, I want to talk a little bit more about you and how you've been managing your own self and, and life during the past year. It's been incredibly hard for so many people and everything has shifted to at home. Um, tell me, first of all, how do you manage your own anxiety? How do you manage the, the, you know, when you put your head down on your pillow at night and there's so much uncertainty, um, how do you manage that? You know, um, I think I manage that because I, I manage that with just an innate sense of belief in people and hope. Um, I, I believe in the goodness of people. And so even though there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of strife, I, I believe in the power of coming together. I believe that innately people want to do good. And so, um, and you know, I, I have this tremendous network, uh, Sue, of family and friends. My friends are just like, I can't even tell you, um, you know, I have friends from kindergarten who are still still near and dear to my heart and we're, I have an incredible support network. And so I think that that helps when things are scary and things are shaky and life is uncertain. When you know that you have this whole band of people behind you, regardless, right. it, it gives you the strength and the courage to say, you know what, we can get up and do this another day. Right. Um, so that's that's the thing i you know what it's it is what it is is a security right it's that's to have that kind of network and that and as you said you know friends and family and people who really know you i think gives us a tremendous amount of security 
Um, and I have that as well. And I, when I think about people who do not, I just, it, it breaks my heart because I think, gosh, where, where do they go? And sometimes it's, it's a, you know, a spirituality. Um, they have some kind of a faith and, I think today people, because of what has taken place, people are more and more eager to be doing something that is going to be helpful to others in conjunction with their business and their, and their careers. Tell me what you would say to, I know that a lot of women that, are, that tune into this show are kind of, many of them are on the verge of, of starting something new themselves, but they just don't have that courage to take the risk. What would you say to those to those people? Find a way to find the courage. Because, you know, if you're following your heart, um, and, and this is, you know, what I'll say about this, my venture with, with Rosie and Big Lovey. We both dove into this business without any background in textiles. Um, we just, we were passionate about the message. We were passionate about the fact that we thought we could help people feel more loved and blankets were the vehicle. And so we were really launching into an industry that was foreign to us, but we both dove in 110% and we haven't looked back. And if, there have been bumps, there have been setbacks, but we have never once said, "Ugh, I can't do it. And I think it's just, we so have a knowing that our, our purpose here is to really reach as many people as we can to let them know that they're loved, they're cared for, they're embraced. Um, and we don't waver in that. And so having a setback with a vendor and having, you know, products on back order and having these setbacks, that's going to happen. Um, and we just keep on keeping on. And so that's what I would say to someone who is unsure. Find what you're not unsure about. And then you'll have a pretty clear path. And you know what's so interesting about this and, and what you're doing is a blanket is, is not the first. Your blanket is not the first blanket, right? So when you're right. entering an arena where there's already been, you know, thousands and thousands of other products made, it really is about tapping into that unique original aspect of your design and your product that sets it apart. Exactly, exactly. Right. And I'll tell you, I mean, we've had so much fun collaborating on, you know, we have so many ideas of these beautiful fabrics and, and beautiful ways to finish them and beautiful ways to add our unique messaging to them. And so, you know, I think we both have these, just these, these huge, <laughs> again, so many ideas that I don't know when we'll ever be able to get to all of them. Um, <laughs> and it's, it is because, you know, at the end of it, the blankets are a fantastic quality. They're super soft. They're super delicious to hold. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of, that's the price of admission, right? Like we have to be doing that in order to be a player in the market with, to your point, there are a lot of very successful blanket companies making beautiful products. So that's, again, the, the price of admission is we have to create that. Um, right. but then we, there, we are founded on that whole next level of these are about love. These are about connection. Um, you know, when we get stories back from people saying, 
you know, uh, my friend lost uh, her baby at childbirth and I didn't know what to do. So I sent her this blanket and she's wrapped up in it every day. And it has this message Uh about about love and about connection. And she said it helps her. It helps her. And it so, you know, it's that's where we're driven from. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you can jump into something that you don't know anything about as long as you're you have that area that you are not willing to waver on. And that's for us. We're not willing to waver on the fact that they have to be positive. They have to be embraced. They have to be just imbued with love and we have to give back. We have to be helping. So. And do you have a, you know, besides you and Rosie now, do you have a team? I mean, you must be um, you don't have a brick and mortar. It's all online. Am I right? You're, you're right. It's all yeah. online. Um, we have, you know, we, <laughs> that is our goal for, for 2021 is to expand our team. We have, we have, um, we have Allie, she's our fantastic assistant. Um, and we have a, a, a new gal who's helping us, um, Madison, who's just a beautiful photographer. And so, you know, we're slowly growing. Our goal is to somehow, you know, Fast forward, we will have a, a much larger team so that Rosie and I can be doing the high level things mm-hmm. um, and, you know, not in the minutia every day, but we're still a small business. So, yeah. And that's how it, that's how it is for the first couple of years. Right. Yep. I, yep. I think they say it's five. The first five sounds like a long, long, long time, but until everything's in place and, and just kind of running as it should. You know, tell me, this is not a very creative or, uh, you know, amazing question, but when I think about your life between this new company and the restaurant and your own branding um, business, logistically, what does your day look like? (laughs) We have two minutes. So, yeah, you know, it's not about work-life balance. We know that. So, you know, how are you spending your day and making it productive without feeling overwhelmed? Um, well, I, I do feel overwhelmed a lot of days, <laughs> frankly, okay. um, because there's, there's more on my plate than I can get to. That's just the reality, um, that it's, it's a full plate. So what does that mean? That means you just get up and you go. I, I, from the time I get up, I am, I dive in, um, I'm on my computer. I'm responding to, to customer requests. I'm doing social media and interacting with people in that way, which is such a fantastic way to hear what people are thinking in real time. Um, we're constantly designing and talking with vendors. Um, you know, so it's, it's just, it's a juggle. It's all day. Every day is a juggle and you, you know, kind of, keep, keep coming the, the, the things that are immediate needs. Of course you have to address those while keeping your eye on the big picture stuff. So it's a juggle. And, um, you know, then, like I said, the walks around the lake and a little bit of yoga, keep me centered and calm and realize that it there, there in due time, it will all get done. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think more and more people are doing yoga. I'll tell you that <laughs> it's a yeah. common theme among my guests. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm excited for you, Sheba, and I wish you continued success. Um, thanks for taking time to sh- share your story. And, and I'll be sure to be um, sharing all of your information and links to the site with our listeners. Thank you, Sue. It's, it's truly an honor to be on your show. I, I'm so grateful. Thank you for your time. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I'm Dr. Nakia Owens. Managing Director of Financial Empowerment at the United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. 
As many of you listeners are aware, it is tax season. And I want to remind you of the free tax preparation services available to you through United Way's partner campaign for working families. There are several options available to get your taxes filed with Campaign for Working Families. If you are in need of getting your taxes filed, please go to their website at www.cwfphilly.org to learn how to get your taxes filed either virtually, filed in person, or there is a drop-off option where you can visit one of the tax sites. Additionally, There are several other services and resources available to you, like establishing a bank account. If you are unbanked, perhaps due to prior banking challenges, they offer second chance banking um, options and products. You can also receive financial counseling and coaching through United Way's partner Clarify, offered to anyone who gets their taxes filed through Campaign for Working Families. You can inquire also about how to apply for any of the 21 different benefits that you may be eligible for. So please take advantage of this wonderful resource that is available to you. And for more information, you can also visit our website at www.unitedforimpact.org or call our helpline 211 for more information. And until next time, I'm Dr. Owens, your nonprofit watch. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, Women on the Fly. Hi, Sue Rocco here with our Women on the Fly segment. I'm speaking to Sheba Fiddler. Sheba, how do you start your day? A strong cup of coffee. (laughs) Mm. What is your mantra for stressful moments? Breathe. Are you a planner or a more spontaneous? Mix of both. Where are you typically when inspiration strikes? Walking around the lake. A place you've traveled to that you'd like to go back? Italy. How do you unwind? Yoga. And a walk around the lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing a theme. Yeah. yeah. What is, tell me your definition of feminism. Mm. That's a toughie. Um, <laughs> you threw me for a loop, Sue. Did I? Uh, go- yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes there's people don't have a definition for it. Tell me what? How would you describe women leaders and entrepreneurs of today? Uh, that I can get my arms around. Um, yes, I think. Well, I think women. Every woman is a leader in some way. They just might not know it um, because women tend to be. They're strong. They're either leading a family. They're leading. Um, children, they're leading a business, they're, they're doing something. Women tend to be leaders, so. We're natural born, right? Yes. Natural born leaders. Yes. Tell me three words that describe you. Um. <laughs> oh boy, I'm not very good at talking about myself. <laughs> I can um, tell. Uh, I would say I am Intuitive. Intuitive. I'm going to, I'm right. A good listener. Yes. 
<laughs> and determined. Thank you, Sue. You answered you, that very well. There you go. <laughs> Ta- how about a book you'd recommend for our listeners? Oh, gosh. Um, I just finished uh, Glennon Doyle's... Um, oh, yes. Um, Untamed. Untamed. There you go. Oh, my it's gosh. A fun read. Amazing fun read. read. Yeah. yeah. And the last question, tell me how you end your day. Oh, I, I, a glass of red wine and conversation with my husband. And wrapped up in a blanket. Well, yeah. there yeah. you go. Great. Thanks, Sheba. Thank you, Sue. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. This week, a client interviewed me before he hired me to coach him. And his interview question was this, will you guarantee me that I will change one behavior at work if I work with you? I just want to change one behavior. And if it doesn't change, will you give me my money back? I've never had a client ask me such a provocative question. But game on. I told him, sure. After you work with me, if you don't change this one behavior, then I will give you your money back. There's so many areas that we could evolve and improve on in our life. But I like this approach of taking one thing that you want to transform and work on the one thing only. And here's some ideas that you might think of for setting an intention to change one behavior at work. Do you want to have more confidence? Do you want to stop being a people pleaser? Do you want to stop worrying about things you can't control? Do you want to stop blaming people at work or others blaming your job or others at work? Do you want to stop overreacting when things go sideways? Do you want to learn how to drop that fear of not being good enough or fear of failing? Those are all interesting behaviors to reflect upon. And I think choosing one behavior and going all in and making it an intention to work with a coach or a mentor or a leader at your work to try to evolve and improve yourself with just one of these will be a game changer for how you operate at your job, for how you enjoy your job. It'll be more satisfying if you can just clinch one of these behaviors. So go on, reflect on the one behavior you want to change and make an intention to transform. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for our Double Dose of Inspiration show with both Ann Shockett and Mandy Price, two amazing women who will be sharing their stories with me. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.